Hello and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast, the Kansas City Royals Podcast in association with Inside the Royals. I am Jacob Milham and joining me tonight, I have Lucas Murphy, the beat of Kansas City. Lucas, you're looking a little sweaty tonight, man. Did you just uh, think about going outside or something? Well, if you live in Kansas City, we've hit that like true summertime as well. So like when you step outside in Kansas City in the month of June, you see the humidity and it just you just instantly start sweating. And then, of course, I decided to go run and that doubles down. That looks like I jumped in a pool. So, yeah, I'm super sweaty and uh, it is hot as all get out here in Kansas City, man. But how are you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. You know what? I will I will take my high 80s out here. I'm, I'm good to go on that. It's a little humid, but it ain't. It ain't too bad out here. Hey, um, Lucas, before we get too deep into it, I wanted to hit you you and the listeners with a little bit of Royals trivia. So the question is, how many RBIs did Royals legend George Brett have in 1985? All right, Lucas, I'll give you some time to kind of stew on that, think about it a little bit. But for all of our listeners, please like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Um, or you can follow us on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod. We're always there generating Royals content and uplifting our fellow Royals content creators over there. We've got some good articles coming out on Inside the Royals and some more podcasts in the Kansas City Royals sphere. All right, Lucas, I gave you a few seconds there to think about it. What do you think? Mm, off the top of my head, I'm going to go with 108. Golly, man, you were really, you were really close. You would, you would have won a Prices Right game. I'll say that. Yes. yes. <laughs> Answer is one twelve. Man, I, you know what? I will take it. He, he led the team that year, so I would certainly hope so. That's crazy, man. One hundred twelve RBIs. Holy smokes! Yep, first franchise World <clears throat> Series, then two. But hey, you know what? The uh, the 2022 Royals aren't too much like the 1985 Royals, unfortunately, right now. <laughs> look, look at that segue, man. There but, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, the, the Royals, we're recording this at uh, 1030 at night Eastern time. The Royals game is going on right now. Um, kicking off the West Coast road trip out there. Um, Lucas, I'm not gonna not gonna sue too much on the on the Orioles series. That's a whole other can of worms, or the upcoming series right now. But I do have to say, on Royals Twitter, the ball was really rolling for Vinny Pasquantino to finally get his call ahead of this road trip. Um, there was there wasn't fire, but there was there's a lot of smoke around that rumor. Uh, Lucas, like, why why do you think that is? Uh, I think obviously he got pulled in the middle of you know. I, was it? I think they were out in the field. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was an after he's at bat, and he got pulled. And obviously, anytime stuff like that happens, whether it is like the trade market or, or just a call up in general, the the hype around that, especially someone of his stature within this type of organization, I mean, that's a big deal. So, uh, you could definitely say the the water started boiling uh, <laughs> in the rumor mill, and uh, people were getting excited for sure. Um, and rightfully so, man. I mean, I think he deserves to be here. And we've talked about it so many times on the podcast. And, you know, even, you know, some of the other guys that are, have been doing really well in, in the minor leagues are starting to to come around and do some things. So I think you're going to start to see 
probably more guys get an opportunity to come up. Uh, I would say closer we get to the all-star break. Yeah. And you know what? Vinny's doing everything he can up there in Omaha. Um, you know, if I, if you would have told me that Vinny Pasquantino and Zach Greinke would be playing in a game together, <laughs> I would have thought it would have been Kansas city too, to be fair. Um, but man, I, I don't know what else Vinny can do. 286 batting average, um, 1.01 OPS, which is absolutely outrageous. 17 home runs in 57 games so far. I mean, he, he's doing everything he can. He can just keep pushing it out. The fans will keep calling for him. Um, and, you know, this front office just has to has to make the move. But there's nothing new, there's nothing new we could say there. We, we can hype him up. Nothing that we say on this little podcast is going to change Dayton Moore's mind. No, <laughs> not at all. But speaking of a player who should be on the move, um, Royals Farm Report is reporting, I'm going to say reporting, it's on their Twitter, that second baseman Michael Massey um, should be getting promoted to Omaha in the near future. Um, he's been absolutely doing, doing the good deed down there in uh, northwest Arkansas. Um, nine home runs, nine stolen stolen bags at Double A this year. Um, Eight fifty four OPS, pretty solid, especially when he got the minor league Gold Glove award last year. I mean, dude is is a very legitimate middle infield prospect. But Lucas, we've talked about it before. Um, something needs to change in the Royals' middle infield right now. Um, again, we're not seeing Nicky Lopez again in the lineup. So I do have to ask, do you think that they're going to be making some changes at second base and shortstop? I think they should, man. I really do. I think, uh, I think Nicky, man, it, it's just a tough situation. You know, the, the type of season he had the year prior and then, uh, you know, he comes into this year and he's actually was on fire in the beginning. I mean, he had a good stretch there, but since then, man, I mean, Defense can only take you so far, especially in the major leagues. Like, you have to be able to produce and score runs, no matter how you look at it. I mean, truly the only position I feel that can maybe struggle at the plate is catcher. I mean, let's just be honest. The catcher can hit 200 and still just dominate. So, um, but I think, you know, a position player like Nicky Lopez, he he has to at least hold his weight, and he's not doing that. So, I, I can imagine – and. I still believe that Witt's probably going to be an, uh, you know, Witt Merrifield is going to be somebody that could be considered on the move uh, just to get him to maybe a contender. So I do, uh, to, to wrap it back around, yes, I do believe you're going to start to see a little change uh, up the middle. But then I think, you know, Bobby Witt might sh- might shift over and you might get to see Rivera a lot more. And I mean, we've seen him quite a bit, but maybe he just becomes your everyday third baseman. You know, Bobby Witt Jr. switches over to short and then, you know, second base, maybe it's one of those other guys. Yeah, um, so Rivera is in the lineup tonight at third base, so we'll hopefully be seeing some more of him. But, yeah, Nicky Lopez, the month of June so far, he only has two hits in 25 at-bats. Like, he is he is ice cold right now. So I think some time away from the lineup, although it did come at the expense of his bobblehead day on Sunday, <laughs> which was a little awkward, not going to lie. Um <laughs> Look, just get him out of the lineup for a little bit. Let him let him refresh a little bit if that's what he needs. Um, just see if maybe he needs to get his head on straight. You know, maybe there's something that we don't know about. Um, but yeah, definitely, I'm glad to see Bobby Witt go over to shortstop for a, on a little bit more of a permanent basis. Um, 
And I think, you know, with Olivares coming back, maybe they want to get um, Isbell some more looks out in right field. I think we're going to see a lot more of Whit Merrifield at second base than we have in recent mm-hmm. outings. Um, so definitely looking forward to how that looks. And, you, you know, the Royals, they're always flush with middle infield prospects. Uh, Massey is just the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this Royals farm system. Um, please make sure to go follow Royals Farm Report at Royals Farm on Twitter. They're always putting out good product over there. Um, and our good friends, uh, Jared Perkins and some others, they, they're always writing over there. So please go check them out. But, Lucas, now we can talk about the West Coast road trip, something I have not done in my life. Uh, really? Not, not, yeah, I've only flown through San Francisco um on my way to to singapore so i haven't actually like spent time personally out in california have you um i took a road trip one time uh and i think it was right before baseball season so i was able to visit padre stadium but i didn't get to see a game um and that was about my time in san in uh, san diego one of my buddies was moving back from college so we flew out to phoenix and took the long, long, long way around. Uh, so, so that was my trip through uh, California, but no like major stays or visits or baseball games or anything like that. Okay. Well, you know what? You, you go. We're still young. We can always go back and try it again, right? Oh, for sure. That's that. You know, that's something that uh, you know, with having a son, and um, hopefully he enjoys the game as much as you know. Both you and I enjoy the game of baseball. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that, uh, you know, we can do the bucket list thing where like we go to, to the stadiums, uh, you know, the furthest West coast, I guess I can say was this more recent, uh, West coast trip. If that's even was, uh, the, the game in Phoenix, uh, oh, yeah. when they went to the diamondbacks. So I was able to go to that stadium, which is, man, that, that was amazing. The roof was open. I was hoping it would be, it was a beautiful night and, uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. So I enjoyed the heck out of that. Well, once we talk about the actual game a little bit more, I do want to ask you what is one baseball stadium that you haven't gone to that you want to okay. visit. But oh, I'll, yeah, for we'll, sure. we'll, we'll come back to that one later. So right now the Royals are opening a three-game series against the San Francisco Giants. Um, Giants, you know, they're, they're pretty solid. They're third in a very tough division. 32-26, um, and 26, I want to say, is, is what they're sitting at right now. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we'll see old friend Jacob Junis pitch in this series. Um, he just hit the IL, so um, I, it was a it was a hamstring injury. So hopefully, uh, he he gets off of the IL here sooner rather than later. But I'm kind of glad that <laughs> that the Royals don't have to face him. The dude has been absolutely dealing since he left Kansas City, right? Yeah, he would have shoved against us. Let's just oh, yeah. put the period at the end of that sentence. He would have shoved, man. <laughs> I bet he would have he would have had so much probably animosity against this team, not necessarily the players, but just like the front office and how things were handled. I bet he would have just 10 K's. He probably would have had a complete game man. he would have been on fire. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been tough. But the only, the only thing tougher right now, man, is I'm out here on the East Coast and tonight's game didn't even start till 945, dude. Like it's going to be a late week. I'm going to be dragging when I go into work. Yeah, um, but tonight we got Brady Singer on the mound. You know, just closed out the third inning. A little bit of a rough outing. We'll talk about that more later on this week. 
Um, but Chris Bubich is supposed to get Tuesday start, and then on Wednesday, we're going to have your guy, Jonathan Heasley, who's supposed to get the start. Um, Lucas, you know, Heasley's had some pretty good starts lately, um, especially an amazing one against the Baltimore Orioles. How are you feeling after that start? Man, I tell you, I think you kind of know how I feel about Jonathan Heasley. Like, that's always been my guy that I've advocated for. Um, and I think once he gets a full, full season, obviously we're starting to see that they're giving him that chance. When he gets a full season and then really kind of has an opportunity to, to learn from all that, you know, evaluate film and understand, you know, some things kind of similar how Brad Keller did with John Smoltz this offseason. Yeah. Man, I think you got you got some potent uh, – you got a potent pitcher there and I think he'll, he'll hopefully pan out. I don't want to say he's going to, cause obviously we see how everything's going, but most recently, man, you know, I was able to see Heasley pitch in, in Arizona. Um, and then, like you said, this most recent one hit, he really kind of dominated the game. And that's, that's something we've lacked to see this year and in pitching from the Royals. So it was really kind of a, a breath of fresh air, I guess you could say mm-hmm. uh, to see Heasley go out there and kind of do what you would expect them to do. So yeah, I mean, and against Baltimore, you know, it wasn't – this is a lineup that has roughed up the Royals in the past, but they're not the best. Um, but still, you know, he pitched seven innings of shutout ball with seven strikeouts. Like, that's all you can ask. And it turned out for a great, you know, just – it was a great feel-good win. I know the Royals didn't win the series overall. I know it was kind of a letdown. Um, but getting an emphatic 8-1 to win – behind a very good pitching performance on, from Heasley was great to see. And we, we're talking about this a little bit before the podcast. He, he hasn't had like that per se, that awful start, you know, even, even Zach Greinke, you know, he has that one blip where he allows a slew of, of earned runs and it's just an awful game and he gets pushed out of the game early. Um, I mean, what, one, two, three, four, five. Five of his six starts, he's gone at least five innings, and he has never allowed more than three earned runs in an outing. I know that's not amazing, but it does get him a 3.62 ERA, which I think is solid for this rotation, man. I think um, I think he has definitely tweaked something. I think something has changed, and I really hope that he can continue this, especially in a pitcher's friendly park in San Francisco. Well, you know, also, I, I think two things. Um, I, I love his pace. He works extremely fast. Um, and, and I think that that not only makes a fan enjoy the game more, because obviously that's always been a huge thing is the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. But I think also what it does is it keeps your players engaged and it allows them to really kind of stay honed in where someone who maybe drags it out goes you know, goes back to the bag and throws some rosin on, maybe scrapes his cleats off a little bit and then really draws out the, the sign getting stuff. But, you know, that's yeah. where it, it kind of becomes a thing. So I, I love the pace of play. Um, and then I also, I just, man, I, Jonathan Heasley, man, good stuff. Yeah. You know what? Hey, Kenny Chesney, he wrote a whole song about how Jonathan Heasley pitches, you know, all, all about the good stuff, right? <laughs> That's awesome, man. Good stuff. Uh, all right. I am dating myself with that song reference right there. Anyways. <laughs> so what? one more thing I didn't say about Heasley's start against Baltimore. Probably the best part, honestly. He allowed he gave up zero walks. 
you know, control has been a huge issue for this Royals pitching staff. And for him to go out there for seven innings and not give up a single walk, I think that's amazing. So hopefully he can just keep shoving. Um, they're definitely going to need him on this on this road trip. Um, I can, I don't know, I could see them kind of taking advantage of the athletics who are actually even worse offensively than the Royals are this year somehow. Um, and then the Angels are just, I don't know what the frick they're doing with Mike Trout and Otani, and they're over there racking up double-digit losing streaks. I don't know how they're doing that. But I think this Giants um, series is going to be pretty important. I think we're – hopefully we'll see some good things. What are you thinking? Yeah, for sure. So I was going to – hey, I was going to give you a quick uh, run through. One of my buddies posted this the other day on Facebook, and I'm not a huge Facebook guy, uh, but it really caught my eye when he, he, he did this. Um, he said, craziest stat I've read in a while. The Royals filed their, fired their hitting coach, who is not at all the problem. And he put a laugh out loud, of course. By ERA-adjusted K through walk percentage, the 2022 Royals rotation is the worst rotation in baseball history. By FIP, uh, the 2022 Royals rotation is 3,013th out of 3,015 teams in baseball history. <laughs> and by ERA... The 2022 Royals rotation ranks 2,634th uh, among 2,640 2, teams since 1900. Wow. And obviously, I don't know where he got his stats, but if they are as accurate as, you know, as they should be, that is absolutely atrocious. And I figured I'd throw that out there since we were talking about pitching. And at least <laughs> the positivity of Jonathan Heasley, at least keeping them up afloat a little bit, uh, you know, if they didn't have that man, I just how how do they look at this from a front office perspective and say, yeah, we're we're achieving, we're doing the right thing. So, uh, well, man, I, and you know what? Let's let's just go ahead and go off the the negativity nosedive. Let's I, <laughs> I think as a Royals podcast, we need to have that as like an every episode segment now. Yeah, uh, we, we might uh, we might group test that one. Anyways, negativity nosedive. Look, I don't – I think it's more frustrating the fact that this front office, like, was so against reporters and the media and fans, like, calling out Kyle Eldred and how bad he is. You know, now it's just a joke on Twitter. Like, if you can't take Cal Eldred at his um, – at his Zach Greinke, <laughs> you know, don't, don't take him at his, you know, insert another pitcher here. You know, the fans get – ridiculed for trying to say, well, who has Cal Eldred succeeded with? And there isn't a good sustained example. Like even Brady no. Singh. Go ahead. I was going to say, I wanted to play devil's advocate. I never thought I would do this, Ooh. but what if it really isn't Cal Eldred? What if it truly is just the front office being able to, to just make a decision on who they're going to select? Like, is Lonnie Goldberg the one that we should be looking at? Because, you know, he sends it, the scouting department out, and this is who they bring back, and this is what they decide on. And, you know, by the time they get to Cal Eldridge, this is what they are able to do. Like, I, I get that, you know, we want to go to him because he's the head, head guy of the pitching staff. But by the time he gets – by the time they get there, they should be ready to roll and be successful, and he's just out there – 
fine tuning skills. Uh, if he's having to go back and actually teach them things like that's where I start to question, like, is it really Caldridge or is this the front office? Well, and you know what? There there is a good point there. You know, sometimes just prospects, they they don't pan out. That's why they call them prospects and not sure things. But there are so many examples of pitchers with a good pedigree and a good track record leading up to their major league debut. And then it just completely falls off the rails once they get to Kansas city. And you know what, to, to stick with the devil's advocate, maybe that's just the major league jump. It's a huge jump going from the minor league to the major league. 100%. But the, the fact that, and this is what, this is what kind of got me on the Eldred is bad train. The fact that a pitcher can go down to Omaha and like he'll have one bad start after he first first gets there. And then he has a better mm-hmm. start. And then he like gets much, much better. And then he comes back to Kansas City. He has a good initial start. And then like that second or third start after that, the it starts falling off the rails. So if you look at that, as pitchers spend more time away from Cal Eldred, they perform better. Mm-hmm. And the more time they spend with Cal Eldred, they perform worse. I don't yep. know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's a game plan thing. I don't know what it is. But Cal Eldred is the common denominator in my mind. That's just me. No, and I can agree with that too, man. I really do because it's just ironic that he goes out to give advice, uh, you know, to, to, to get them out of a funk or out of a position and Typically, often the the next pitch is a home run. So, um, what whether that's unluckiness of the pitcher or Calder's curse, as I like to say, um, yeah. yeah, man, I I can agree with both sides. I, I I can see where Mike Matheny and maybe the front office would stick up for him just because of the scenario I provided. But I also can see where your perspective comes into play and be like, anytime they get to him, it's like they're just unsuccessful for whatever reason. And it is the major leagues and it's the toughest of the toughest. So yeah, man, it's, it's a, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because like, what are they going to do as you know, in this upcoming one? And like, I think the true, again, we always say this, but I think the true test is going to be like, how does like Mazzucato come up? Is he going to, is he going to do well? Is Cooter not going to do well? Like, Will we start to see these guys pan out and, and because they've they're gonna be given time because they're high school kids, like and, and they'll develop through the system and by the time they get to the major leagues, like they should be ready. And so if those guys don't pan out, like, man, at what point are you like this organization just needs a full revamp? And obviously that's for a whole nother episode, but <laughs> um yeah, I just be it's very interesting just kind of how the whole entire thing's developing. Yeah. It's and you know what that's that's big picture that's long term stuff that it's it's hard to project out but I think that if we do sit down and look at some things you know maybe how this 2018 class came up uh, maybe we can see some some lessons learned from that as as fans even but I do I do have to get one more jab into Cal Eldred then I'll stop <laughs> all right I promise so um, our our friend on Twitter. He he goes by Bayou Billy Butler. Now he goes by Broken Billy Butler. Um, He had a really good thread (laughs) about 
the mound visits. Lucas, do you know what I'm talking about here? Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. Keep it going. Was, <laughs> it was so he chart. He sat and I kudos to him. He sat down. He looked at what happened after each Cal Eldred mound visit because we, we give him crap. But maybe maybe it's just us like looking at something. But so what he found is that out of 96 mound visits this year alone, that 48 of them, so <laughs> half, resulted in hits, walks, wild pitches, or runs scored in that same inning after the mound visit. And that is like 10% worse than Major League Average. Like Cal Eldred is incurring more runs and more hits and more home runs when he visits the mound. <laughs> so, you know what? I'm going to keep calling him Cal Mount. I got, hey, and keep keep moving. <laughs> I got a I got a quick story to tell you exactly oh, to what you're talking about. So, I went to the Arizona game. Yeah. And I had this older gentleman Royals fan sitting behind me and I think he had traveled down there for like the season and stuff. Okay. Uh, and lived down there part-time and he he was like a uh, always at the games they said um because i talked to the usher and royals fan and so sitting there cal Aldridge comes out and goes to talk to i believe it was taylor clark mm-hmm. and uh he taps me on the shoulder and goes this isn't going to be good he goes this son of a gun's going to give up a home run he goes watch and i said <laughs> all right i said i we'll see uh and so sure enough i think taylor clark just pipes one and i can't it was uh i can't remember who it was just hits a just launches that ball absolutely launches it and he taps me on the shoulder again and goes told you and then he just (laughs) starts going off and like you could hear him because the stadium wasn't very full and he's booing and he's like cal eldridge you need to go and all this stuff and i was just like man this guy is this guy's money this guy is money it was hilarious I will never bet against Cal Eldred and his pitching prowess. All right. If uh, if you can't detect the sarcasm in that, I do apologize. But anyways, Lucas, <laughs> let, let's get back to the fun question. Let's hope, let's close on a good note. So I did want to ask you, so you've been to a lot of stadiums. What is one baseball stadium or park or whatever you want to call it? What is one that you want to visit that you haven't been to? Can I do an AL and an NL? Yeah, go for it. Is that uh, so, man, it's tough because there's – honestly, there's quite a few. But AL, I really want to go to Seattle. Um, definitely want to visit Seattle and go to a Mariners game. Uh, and – I think from an NL perspective, I think that Giants is for sure like 1A uh, because of their water and like just the historical aspect of like Barry Bonds and like all of that. Um, but for some reason, I really want to go to the Pirates Stadium and and check out like that whole environment and the scenery because like I think that would be one stadium you could sit in like the nosebleeds and be completely satisfied with like what you were looking at. Okay. So that's that's really kind of my answer. But honestly, man, like there's so many like the nostalgia of like Yankee Stadium, even though it's new, uh, man, it's just a tough it's a tough question. Like, I really want to go to Colorado. I've been to to Coors Field, but like I haven't seen a game like the environment there was just like 
it was so peaceful. Like I could imagine like what the game would be like there. Um, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're fine, dude. Uh, great answers and thanks for the details. I'm going to, I feel a little dirty saying this, but I'm going to go with my AL and NL choices. I really do want to go see Minute Maid Park. Um, they do a lot of things big yeah. down there in Houston, Texas. Um, and I've always seen it on TV. So I cannot imagine that yeah. big spectacle down there uh, for the Astros. Um, and one that I might get some booze on is I really want to go to Bush. They're in, they're in St. Louis. Um, I've seen some some videos of their of their concourse um, there. I've heard their fan atmosphere is amazing. Um, and, you know, even if even if it's the opposing fans, fans being involved in the game makes games fun. I experienced that at Camden Yards every time I go. They were always invested no matter how the game was going. So those are my two picks. But um, I don't know. Let's uh, I'm going to try to get I want to try to get to Cleveland this year. It's it's close for me. Yeah, it's it's about it. Well, close. It's about an eight hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's worth it, though. I mean, it, you get check it off your bucket list, man. I mean, yeah, that's you know, that's I, I really want to go to like for me, like one of the inner like divisional. I really want to go to like a Chicago White Sox game. Ooh yeah, what's their what's their stadium Are called you, again? That thing's changed so much. I think it's uh, man, I forget. I wanted to say like Cellular One Stadium or something like that, but I don't think that's the answer. Yeah, but then I, you also, I just looked it up. It's Guaranteed Rate Field, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah another. One, I mean, Target Field. Uh, Yost Malone. I mean, Yost goes up there all the time, and he go he takes that eight hour drive. It's eight hours from Kansas City. He goes up there all the time for Twins games and loves loves the stadium. So. Uh, we'll have to have Yost back on and have you talk, have him tell you about uh, Minnesota. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while since we talked to Yost. I'll have to check up check in on him. But Lucas, that is going to do it for us tonight. Um, you know, thanks thanks for coming on. Thanks for trying to stay positive with me. I know it's easier said than done nowadays. But uh, where can <laughs> folks follow you on social media at? Guys, head over to the beat of KC. Uh, that's where you can uh, interact, engage, and talk Royals, Chiefs, uh, Kansas Jayhawks, whatever one you want to talk about. Uh, head over to the beat of KC. <laughs> oh, who is that? Oh man, sorry that uh, must been the folks in Bramlage. I can't uh, believe you're booing a natty. I mean, that's crazy, man. You know, you know, you know what? I, I, I hate to say it. I did give props to Bill Self. And his program that he bought there in Kansas. Anyways, all right. Again, my name is Jacob Milham. You can follow me on Twitter at jmiltheham for Royals, Chiefs, um, the best football team in Kansas, the Kansas State Wildcats. I'll be talking about them a little bit more here in the near future. <laughs> but not yeah. for long. Not for long. Oh man, you know what? I'll believe it when I see it. And we'll we'll be taking some jabs at each other here in the fall. Don't you worry about it. But you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod. Again, we're always trying to elevate our fellow Royals fans and content creators. So please give us a tag. Give us a follow if there's something you want us to see. But thank you again for listening. And until next time, go Royals. <laughs>